watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here, Here comes, comes the binge. binge. Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I am Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and we have three movies for you this week. Brittany Runs a Marathon, Adam, and One Child Nation. And as always, we're going to rate these movies on a three-tiered scale, with Binge It being our highest rating. Consuming moderation means it's okay, but it's kind of meh. And send it back means... Life is too short for that mess. Jason, I haven't seen you in like a week. Yeah, this is this is our big reunion post-cruise. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, uh, I was seeing you all day, every day. You still have a tan. Do I? You do, oh, yeah. Oh, that's nice. Mm-hmm. I just the other day at work, somebody sort of yelled at me because they said that they did not notice any new tan on me at all, which they suggested meant that I had failed at my vacation. Oh, and you also grew your beard back pretty fast. This is, <laughs> I chose to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I chose for it to grow in more fully, more quickly. Yeah. yeah. Good job. Uh, guys, this is mine and Rebecca's big reunion since our first ever international mm-hmm. best friends forever trip. Yep. Uh, that we went on to Barcelona. And also a cruise from Barcelona to Sardinia, the Italian island. Uh, a music cruise that was headlined and curated by Belle and Sebastian. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, you may remember from our last episode before this, did briefly float the idea of recording an episode while we were abroad. We did. We did. And then we got abroad. And we did not. We, didn't. we did not. No, no. it didn't come up. It didn't Mm-mm. seem like the best use of our time. It didn't. We were with other people. Yeah, it wasn't just the two of us. As much as I know the, the binge fan fiction out there likes to imagine mm-hmm. it's just Rebecca and myself when we go traveling. Whirlwind. Mm-hmm. Uh, just lots of just reenactments of various movie scenes um, mm-hmm. uh, in romantic locales. And some of that happened. A little but, bit. I'm... But, you know, especially our, our new favorite show, which is... Passion Tower. Passion Tower, Passion yeah. Passion Tower. Binge it if you can, guys. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we did travel and we did not tape the show. Uh, we did not really talk about movies much at all. No, we didn't watch any movies. No, we no. Barely watched TV. Yeah, I mean, I was watching Drag Race every single day because I had... <laughs> you found a way. I had downloaded it for offline viewing. Uh, uh, that's how. Because here's the thing about me. At the end of the day, I need need to decompress with tv i did not know that about you yeah um until this trip yes uh yes it was an educational experience for us all <laughs> traveling together internationally mm-hmm. uh we didn't watch movies we still fought so oh, we, like crazy we at least did that uh like we... uh gatas y perros mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Si. <laughs> did you learn anything about me on vacation oh gosh let me see uh, I mean, I would say that, you know, the new Tai Chi 5 a.m. every morning was mm. startling at first, um, but eventually I found it endearing. Yeah, right? It, you know, because I, I, yeah. I knew how much you loved the farewell, and just seeing you out there, just as God made you, just going, ha, mm-hmm, uh, every mm-hmm. morning, you know, yeah. it was alarming, um, but then I was like, well, why else am I traveling with her? Why else do I share my life with her? Yeah. Like, this is the woman I love. It comes as a surprise to most people, mm-hmm. especially when when you find out I can't do it without an audience. Right. No, exactly. So whenever I looked up and noticed that you were standing on our bed doing mm-hmm, it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and looking at me right into my eyes so that when they opened, you would already have locked in contact. Yep. 
that was arousing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was morning and things got a little out of hand. But, <laughs> Granted. Uh, but, you know, that's the point of Tai Chi. It's seduction. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a, a great time. It was had by all. Definitely. Last time we saw each other before this was as we were parting ways at the Oakland airport. Yes. Which felt like what even, how could life go on without being right at each other's side. I don't know, but we made it happen. We sure did. How do you feel this past week after the vacation has been? Uh, I mean, it has been... Uh, I mean, the first few days I did listen to a lot of the music from the cruise so, to help, yeah, to help still... buffet the, the, the loss, the return to the grind. So I was definitely listening to a lot of Always. Mm-hmm. Uh, for everyone out there, if you want to know basically what the official soundtrack of the entire cruise was, it is the album Anti-Socialites yep. by Always. It really is. That was just nonstop. Uh, that's the anthem. And I, as you might, as I think you know, I wasn't really into Bell and Sebastian before this cruise. And now I am. Oh, good. You won me over. Won mm-hmm. me over. Uh, so, and you know, jet lag, mainly annoying because now I'm hungry in the morning, which I normally, <laughs> I normally am not. But, uh, how about you? How's it been for you? Um, I think we also got lucky because it was warm when we came back. Mm. So I got to wear shorts for like a week still. Um, yes. I was also listening to always a lot anti-socialite album. Yeah. Um, but otherwise, I don't know. I feel like I came back in a pretty good mood. It took a while for me to get back into full grump. Um, <laughs> but here we are. I still have one foot in like not so grumpy and uh, in enjoying mm-hmm. people and things. So, uh, <laughs> people, yeah, things. you know, yeah, no, it's great. And and this is actually just kind of a one off episode mm-hmm. before we <laughs> just go right on break again. We're, we're traveling again. We sure are not together this time. Nope. Sadly. Uh, but, uh, after this, Rebecca has a bit more work travel to do mm-hmm. and I myself will be going because it's that time of year to ding tiff, mm-hmm. but with one giant, sad, ugly asterisk attached to it this year. Scott's not going? Not only that, <gasps> I, <laughs> I'm like, well, yeah, sure. Who cares? But the other thing is that I'm only going for the first four days this year Ooh. because of work. Work stuff is happening and I just can't go gallivanting off to Canada for the full 10 days. So you're going to have to really design your schedule very carefully. Oh, it's it's with diamond precision. I mm-hmm. have I have designed a schedule uh, that will ensure that I watch somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 movies in those four days. So it is commitment and I am going all in on it. So that is, uh, that's around the corner. So guys, after this particular tiff, it's going to be a much more, uh, a bridge season of me bragging about how I saw everything at tiff because there's a lot of major movies this year that aren't even playing until after I'm already gone. Oh man. So it's really a bummer. The Joker movie, the Harriet Tubman movie, the Harriet Tubman Joker movie, (laughs) all screening after the first weekend (laughs) so it's a real challenge but uh name a more iconic duo (laughs) can't can't won't uh but anyways wow 20 movies in four days i'm gonna do what i can of course the one i'm the most excited for is hustlers Mm, of course which is premiering that saturday night and i do intend to be present for that historic occasion amazing so that is a biggie 
Speaking of big movies, Rebecca, I believe you saw a big movie recently. Yeah, uh, I mean. That uh, we touched on on the last episode of this show. Similar to your uh, rigorous film schedule, I saw a movie this week. Hey. Yeah, right? Oof. That's wild. I know. I made oh. I made the time. Yeah, see, you're, so you are still on vacation mode. Mm, I saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we were in Barcelona at this rooftop gay bar, yes. um, Jason could was really struggling with no, I was really struggling. No, we yeah, were both you, really you, struggling? you asked me to do okay, it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, not that. I'm talking about the movie. <laughs> oh, no, that was my idea. That was my idea. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I was like, I feel like your review of the movie left me so frustrated. Right. Um, and I, I was kind of excited about it. Then I wasn't excited about it. And then, and then I was like, I have to see it. Um, and I, after about 25 Aperol spritzes um, made you, which is like, it's a low-proof alcohol, but after about 15, you start to feel the buzz. Yeah, um, no, it's true. And that place also gave you cocktails in, like, literal fish bowls. Yeah, the fish were delicious, though. They were. And uh, a little, little tart, a little tang. <laughs> begged you to tell me the end of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And coming out of it yesterday, I saw it with um, my partner and two friends, and I do feel like it's possible that knowing the ending changed changed it for me. Sure. My coming out of it, I felt like you uh, were much kinder to it than I would have been. Oh, really? I hated it. Oh, wow. See, I thought you were going to come in and be just like, oh, since I knew what was going to happen at the end, uh, it all made sense. And I saw what he was doing from the beginning. But no, you're opposite tack. Mm-hmm. Mm. I found the first half of the movie so boring. Mm. Um, and so cheap and so like poorly done. Um, and then the end I found to be the, the most fun part, the most exciting part. Sure. Um, and, but again, so much of that is, is how I was primed. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, my partner liked the movie, found the like revision of it to be like, Oh, we win in this version. And like these bad things don't happen. Right. And this is and the moments back in the back where, I, where I, you know, the beginning of the movie that I thought were boring. She was like, well, this is what life would be like if someone's life hadn't been, you know, um, altered and, and cut abruptly. And, and you could see people in the world and just had a completely different take on it than mm. I did. And I thought it was I thought it was really interesting. And I wondered how much of, of how I was. Proud. I was still like, even after you told me I, I I was like, okay, I can take that as an ending. Right. I'm not going to be upset. But I was really surprised at how, um, how much I, as cliche as he is, and as you know, uh, stylistically similar, and I feel like without that, I really didn't have anything to connect to in the movie. I, hmm. I felt myself being like, ah, I guess I'm gonna. Oh, I remember to the restroom once when normally I would be like, oh wait, sure. Um, I you was just come running like, back like, did I miss Lena Dunham? Did it? Did, did I miss Lena <laughs> no, Dunham? No, I did not. I was very excited about that part. Great. Um. Yeah, I mean, I did agree with the, the your uh, your note about the um, wife murdering distasteful craziness, right? Uh, and that goes it's yeah. really close to the whole Bruce Lee area. There's this right. whole like segment of the movie that's like a real black eye, and just the giddy violence against women in general as it plays out in the final scene. Right, right, definitely. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I needed that like super like you know super clever dialogue and um you know over the top um like touch of of look i felt like you know in in trying to make this 1969 la i didn't feel like i felt like it was very heavy-handed i was like oh look old cars 
Right. Um, or like this is like what some like weird old grandpa has in his basement. It's like, look at this Wheaties box from 1969. It felt very like it di- I didn't feel immersed in it at all. Um, so you it, you were distracted. You thought it was too show offy, so you didn't feel immersed in it because you were just distracted by like the effort that he was putting into every single detail. Right. I feel like it was like. At this too, weird, uncanny me, me, level oh, of it's okay. like it wasn't full on enough for me to be uh, like completely overwhelmed park. by design. Right. It was like 1969 LA. Exactly. Is a theme park. Like you usually like I feel like you leave his movies and I'm like, I need that soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I need a yellow jumpsuit um, that I need a pussy wagon keychain. Uh, even it's even though that's like really obvious stuff. Maybe that's because I was much younger when I watched those movies. Quite possibly. But even in Glorious Bastards, I, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot came out of that that you're just like, I want to live in this world. Um, and for better do. or worse. <laughs> I should so never wish, have said that. See? See? That's how he gets you. should never have Careful said that. what you wish for after a Tarantino movie. So, I don't know. I would have given it a send it back. Interesting. For Interesting. the points that you noted, and also I found the first half not worth. Right. So the part that I liked, you were like, I didn't even like that part. No. Yeah. <laughs> and you only liked the end because it suddenly things were happening, and it felt like a Tarantino movie for about three or four minutes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, there you go. What do you think of the whole Margot Robbie factor? The Margot Robbie of it all? Um... I'm just thinking of the mo- that moment where like it, it goes from like I think the Bruce Lee scene to her like walking through LA before she goes and watches the movie mm-hmm. and it's this like weird abrupt cut and it just felt so awkward and I'm like what am I watching now why am I watching her I thought she was great I mean she can she draws you in the scene like I feel mm-hmm. like I got lost watching her watch herself and like watching her being around mm-hmm. but the 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 scenes didn't connect enough to make me feel that way throughout the entire movie yeah um, but it's, I thought she was meandering. fantastic. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I think she's fantastic too. It's, it's meandering. It's a meandering movie. It is a meandering movie. Speaking of Margot Robbie, did you see the teaser for Bombshell? No, I haven't. <clears throat> this is the Fox News movie. Oh, right, right, right. her, Nicole Kidman and uh, Charlize Theron. Mm-hmm. Is it? Well, it was a very, it's a teaser. So it's very, it's, uh, it's kind of just like the three of them, like one by one, all walking into an elevator together. Oh, and boy. kind of looking at each other. Because I think Charlize plays Megan Kelly, I believe. And Nicole, I believe, plays Gretchen Carlson. Oh, my God. And I think Margot Robbie plays uh, another woman who worked in the network who had been harassed by Roger Ailes. Wow. So, yes. That's going to be great. (laughs) Man, oh, man. I learned a piece of movie trivia this week. Oh. Um, I watched Notting Hill for the first time. Mm. So I watched two movies this week, guys. Yeah. Watch out. And also one today. And also one today. So you, you had not seen Notting Hill I before. I had not see, seen Notting <laughs> Hill before. Huh. Yeah. Um, and... You're like, that roommate, what a cut up. <laughs> <laughs> Real shaggy dog. <laughs> he is, put him in something. Where's Here's he going? some trivia. Ready? Emily Mortimer and Alec Baldwin are both in that movie. They are. They are both in that movie. They don't share any scenes. Uh-huh. But they that's the uh, it's the movie that they're in before they play right. Avian. I was thinking Avian of Down um uh, Avery Rock. I was thinking of a- oh, Avery. Avery. Sure. Mm-hmm. That led me to 30 Rock. That led me to <laughs> Notting Hill. <laughs> they, I think they were in some other thing together. I think Alec Baldwin just has made so many things mm. with the uh with his love interest from 30 Rock over the years. Uh, I had read even, so there's another uh, Tina Fey show that's supposed to be coming out this fall, I think, starring Ted Danson. Ooh. And it was originally conceived as a 30 Rock spinoff about Jack Donaghy. And Alec Baldwin was like on board until he wasn't. And oh. that asshole. And so he, <laughs> I guess it was in development for years because he was like, mm, no. Uh, but that mm, lasted like five years. Uh, I mean, and eventually he's like, I'm ready to move on. 
As a fan of The Good Place, I'm excited for whatever Ted Danson and Tina Fey are about to do. Yes, yes, same. Very excited about that. But uh, so did you like Notting Hill while we're reviewing old movies? I that did, you... I really did. <laughs> it's, a, it's a classic. Although I do find Horse it funny. Horse and Hound. Horse that, and Hound. Speaking of, I feel like it's funny that Julia Roberts is this like bombshell in the movie. <laughs> Why is that funny? I don't know. I just don't think of her as like the kind of actress that people think about that way. They think of her... As yeah. an actress, not as like a... You don't think of her as a, as a sex symbol. Yeah. Is she a sex symbol in that movie? I thought she... Because she was kind of... I remember at the times when it came out in like 99, it really felt like she was very much just playing herself, like as just like a romantic leading lady, which is kind oh, of... Oh, maybe that's what, it. You know, I felt like was, it was kind of a sex symbol It was less than 10 thing. years since Pretty Woman when she made that movie, yeah. so... True. But um, but uh, but yeah, I, I can see how certainly through a modern lens it might seem weird to imagine Julie Roberts as like a... You know, a, a much sought after sweetheart. Because <laughs> now she just plays, now she, all she plays is pills all the time. <laughs> uh, and I love pill shrill era uh, Julia Roberts. Mm, I'm a big mm-hmm. fan. Uh, but Notting Hill is 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 peak peak rom com. It really is. It yes. works though. Oh, it does. Uh, also, I'm really Great working soundtrack. on that aesthetic. I feel like that's another the Hugh Grant. The, the Hugh the, Grant. Yeah. Not, the, not the roommate. Like, no. No. Not not the roommate. <laughs> Trying to do the center part. Ah, yes. And I can you see, can yeah. my hair a little bit to mm, well. So if you start stammering, we'll know you're just doing the hue. <laughs> just doing the hue. <laughs> hue do you, new, new year, new hue? No, I don't know. I'm working on it. I'm working on the <laughs> You're thing. workshopping it. Well, you'll find it. You'll find it. Well, uh, now that we've talked about movies that have come out before this week, <laughs> <laughs> let's talk about we dive into this week. All right. The first movie we're going to talk about this week is Britney Runs a Marathon, which is, let me just say this, Jason's pick of the week. She hasn't seen it. I haven't seen this. A hard-parting woman receives a startling wake-up call when a visit to the doctor reveals how unhealthy she is. Motivated to lose weight, she soon takes up running to help her prepare for her ultimate goal of competing in the New York City Marathon. Um, I feel like I'm going to describe my physical state. Um as I ask you this question, which is pick of the week, huh? Oh, and then I'm crossing my arms and sitting back in the chair with a, uh, okay, look. That is what she's doing. Oh, she's doing the head cock. (laughs) One eyebrow is up. Mouth is all crammed on one side. (laughs) I'm, you're, you're getting me there. (laughs) It's all happening. I I followed up by mouthing. Really? I feel like you're Tai Chi on my bed again. That's (laughs) gone right back to that in my mind and my heart. Uh, yeah, this is, I, I made this, I named this my pick of the week and I'm not saying that it is, it's not even, it's hard to compare it to one child nation, uh, What? <laughs> which is, uh, I, I'm guessing what Rebecca would assert as her pick of the week this week. Um, but Brittany runs a marathon, uh, is, is just a fantastic star vehicle for, uh, the one and the only Jillian Bell. Jillian Bell uh, has been stealing shows and scenes and whatnot for some years now in movies ranging from 22 Jump Street uh, to even uh, more recently uh, the film the film uh, that I'm forgetting the name of that Nick and I reviewed on this very show just a few weeks ago. Not Night of Cups. <laughs> that, oh, that, yeah. That was a Malick movie. You guys know what I'm talking about. The one with Mark Maron and also with Michaela Watkins, who's mm-hmm. also in this movie. Uh, she is great on Workaholics. She is was fabulous on the short-lived R.I.P. Idiot Sitter. And, um, and this movie is just an absolutely staggering platform 
for what turns out to be a very robust uh, acting range. So it it uh, it really kind of turns almost her entire comedic persona on its head uh, because in the movie she plays a, you know a young woman in New York in her late twenties. Uh, who is, you know, just sort of like, you know, a hard partier. But beyond that, she is sort of like, she has assumed the role of jester in her life. Mm, Um, mm. And because she, because of the way that she physically presents to the world and because of the way that the world stigmatizes her and informs her about what is and is not an option for her, um, she has sort of like just happily embraced this life as a jester. And so she's like, well, I'm funny. I have a personality. And so, you know, just like cracks everyone up and, and really has a lot of intense self-loathing that she's not addressing. Uh, so it really kind of takes, you could say a service, a, a typical Jillian Bell character and adds an entire, very rich, very deep psychological backstory to her. So, I think maybe Rebecca. Well, I won't guess. I'll I'll throw it over to you to explain why you find it so difficult to believe that I would name this pick of the week. I mean, we watched One Child Nation <laughs> together, which is an incredibly eye-opening, um, devastating, um, important movie mm-hmm. uh, documentary, um, and this. I mean, I don't want to get into the territory of reviewing movies I haven't seen. <laughs> Apple reviewer. Remember their podcast review that says... Oh, oh, yes. I haven't so seen it, so I have an opinion. Was that Fun Muffins or was it someone else? Uh, I don't know. Um, one, of, one of those. Um, mm. This is a movie that I, I, I would not voluntarily see. Sure. Um, you know, it has this whole, like... I'm reading this book right now by uh, uh, Gia Tolentino. Yes, the author, love her. And she has a... There's a whole... Um, chapter called like has it always be optimizing or something like that i think and it's about the like convergence of of patriarchy and style goals and how how now it's marketed as like you know just optimizing yourself and improvement and you know athleisure um mm-hmm. so coming in coming in with this whole like a woman weighs a certain amount and right. then like the end of the movie is that she weighs less and she's happier and now she's like has fellas and and she feels it's about it's about health um okay it it seems really questionable well see uh there's where not having seen the movie will trick you ah <laughs> uh, because well that's good right? it, there's a lot more to it than that i mm-hmm. also i was prepared to hate it mm-hmm. um if it actually if it was only what you had just described okay if the if the whole, the whole movie was just about the character of Brittany. Uh, being told she's overweight, losing weight, um, dating guys, running a marathon, being happier, uh, then I'd be like, that's appalling. <laughs> mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. This movie shouldn't exist. Um, because I, <clears throat> these are obviously matters. I feel like this and, ironically, this and Adam, I feel like are actually far more explosive than One Child Nation uh, in terms of the subjects that they address and the way that they, and the associations and emotional reactions that American audiences have to them because the stuff in one child nation is indisputably horrifying. So there's not like, there's not like a, a a lingering cultural kind of ambiguity about it of like, well, is it wrong that they killed all those kids? Uh, it's like, yeah, it was. Uh, Mm -hmm. but with this people have so many, I mean, you know, weight and fitness and self image and body image 
are such fraught, intense issues for many, many people uh, that this movie is kind of like walking into a minefield in a way because it, it, it attempts to address that in any way. And especially after what the Amy Schumer movie, I Feel Pretty, uh, mm-hmm. was kind of subjected to uh, with the takedown of that movie. This one has sidestepped that, um, I guess, because it seems like it's it's meant to be a bit more realistic. It's not like a, a fable about, um, you know, about where we're laughing at a woman who imagines that she's more beautiful than she is because she had a head injury. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So uh, I will say that when this movie was starting off, it definitely won me over very quickly because it is very funny. This is a, an extremely funny movie. Okay, fine. One Child Nation was not that funny. <laughs> Thank you. Like pulling teeth. And uh, Jillian Bell is just, the, just her comic timing, her delivery is unparalleled. Um, but when she first goes to the doctor and, um, and he's like, you know, he's like, oh yeah, you're, you're overweight. I'd like to see you lose 55 pounds. I was, I sat in my seat so horrified by the casual way the doctor said that as right. if losing 55 pounds is in any way an easy thing to do or, mm-hmm. or even for most people, a realistic thing to do. Um, and so, and that was one issue I had in the movie that frankly, it never quite resolved. I was waiting for her to have a scene where she went back and like told off the doctor and was like, you've said that like it was nothing. Um, and she does not do that. But, uh, but essentially this movie is sort of like a, uh, you know, we're on this journey with her where she thinks that successfully losing a bunch of weight is going to, you know, heal the inner issues as well. And it doesn't. And she gets to such an obsessive place with the workout uh, that things actually go pretty wrong. Uh, so, which is something that I've seen, you know, from people that I love dearly um, who've gone through a journey like this and who've come out the other end of it. So I guess I feel like this movie has, uh, it just has an honesty about it. Ultimately, it tells the full story. This is not a fairy tale where it only tells you the first half, you know, since, you know, fairy tales, you know, do the happily ever after. Um, so in this movie we see her, like she does lose the weight and she does get to like wear like much smaller clothes and she does feel more confident. Um, but we see sort of like the dark underbelly of that where, cause it's never enough. Nothing is ever enough. And so you get to that point and then you're like, well, gotta keep going. And then that's also your identity gets mixed up in it. And you're like, this is who I am now. And, um, and then God forbid some sort of setback happens where you're not able to work out as fanatically as you've been doing it. Like there are severe, severe emotional consequences and mental consequences to that. And that's part of the story that happens in this movie. So are you trying to get me to quit Equinox? <laughs> You're like, listen, if a Trump supporter wasn't going to do it, it's, this movie definitely isn't either. <laughs> sure, it's so, not going to be this. Good luck to you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, wow. But, okay. I mean, I feel like this is one of those times where me not watching the movie really <laughs> helps the listener who probably had ideas like I did understand <laughs> that they were wrong. You know, um, if, if that helps, then sure. <laughs> Let's go with that. Mm, this is a Tully situation. The moms were upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is a, this is a, this is a Tully. This is, I mean, this is, well, that's the thing, you know, Brittany runs a marathon from what I've seen is not getting any kind of preemptive uninformed backlash at all. Aside uh, from you personally trying to start it just now. Right now. Yeah. According to the vicious rumor I just started. <laughs> Everyone. This movie is trash. <laughs> so, you know, and I do say, you know, it is, uh, 
you know, I realize that I'm sitting here in front of you still sporting, you know, the roughly 300 pounds that I gained over the course of our vacation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So to be championing a movie that is about health feels like I'm, you know, mocking myself. Uh, and the movie, at the end of the day, does still feel like marathon propaganda. Okay, that's the other thing I wasn't going to talk about. Yeah, um, let's talk about is, it. Is the weight you gained over vacation... <laughs> You brought it up. <laughs> like I watched it in real time. It was horrifying. Saul and I would just go back to our room and close the door and be like, oh my God. <laughs> uh, as the only two people who didn't get sick on this vacation, mm. you and I are carrying the load for the whole group. Quite literally. <laughs> like Six of us went out and ate and drank every day and then four people got sick and then two of us... <laughs> just holding on it's true guys we are the only two people of our entire group of six that uh did not have a major illness moment um and for at least three of those four that allowed them to lose a lot of what they had gained let's say (laughs) let's just say and uh and rebecca and i are are still just we're it's happy weight it's vacation weight is what we have we have an extra vacation glow to us and mainly it's in our thighs (laughs) um so what actually I was going to say is that um, I, you know, I have a thing about hating running and walking mm-hmm. and marathons. Combine them. Yeah, they combine them. <laughs> and, and they turn them into a, some who, sort of fanatical you know, cult. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, my own hatred of those things comes out and it starts getting very judgy about mm-hmm. why are you doing this? Why did you shut the city down? Who cares? Sure. What are you trying to prove? And the all too on the uh, on the nose and very obvious. What are you running from? <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I hate marathon culture. I don't. Yes. I don't understand it. I don't see what drives people to do it. Uh, you know, I get. I, I get that you can raise a lot of money for great causes by doing you know marathons and bicycling bullshit and all the rest of it. You can also just give money. You can also just give money. Like people shouldn't have to you know be like paying you to go run a while because those uh, things also to, cost money. Right, overhead. Mm, mm-hmm. Tons, tons of overhead. Those balloons at the finish line are Ugh. not free, and also they wreck the environment. Mm-hmm. So I'm calling bullshit in the whole thing. Uh, there also was a. There was a uh, a New York housewife who uh, whose entire character arc went downhill the moment that she decided to run the New York Marathon. So it's just it tra- it transcends. Mm, it's mm-hmm. just running a marathon shows poor character. I think is what I'm saying. That's what I agree. Uh, so, but yeah, so it was so so let that just be even greater testament to how good this movie is that it is about what it's about. But I didn't hate it. Uh, because it's certainly like, it's all there. (laughs) There's plenty here that you would think would make me hate it. Even in terms of like, oh, is there like sentimentality? Is it too like precious? Is it too like, but I think that's the thing. Jillian Bell's performance is the grounding. Well, it's the entirety of this movie. Mm -hmm. Um, But it also is so, um, in her actual, in her dramatic acting, it's so gritty and so unvarnished and so authentic and, and that it just it keeps the movie from becoming this kind of, you know, uh, uh, Hallmark card. Interesting. So uh, so it's 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 it definitely hits some of the notes you're expecting. But, you know, it's it's OK to hit expected notes if you're doing it well, if you're doing it effectively. 
And, uh, and, and I think the important thing is that it really does go much further than you might expect based on uh, the assumptions one might make on the trailer. Wow. So uh, Brittany Runs a Marathon is your pick of the week. You're giving it a binge it? Binge it. All right. It's rated R for language throughout, sexuality, and some drug material. That brings us to our second movie of the week, which is Adam. Awkward teen Adam spends his last high school summer with his big sister, who throws herself into New York City's lesbian and trans activist scene. In this coming-of-age comedy, Adam and those around him encounter love, friendship, and hard truths. So this is one of the movies uh, we did talk about while we were on vacation. Yeah. Um, I feel like at one point we got internet and I was reading... Oh, well, we got internet at two very key points uh, over that trip. <laughs> one was just enough to learn about 30 to 50 feral wild hogs. Mm. Um, Changed the face of our vacation. It really did. We were at a low point right mm-hmm. at, right before then and it really... The vacation was hogged. It, the vacation mm-hmm. was hogged. Um and then I, I had read an article about the backlash about this movie, Adam, and I had asked you about it. And then I think that's maybe part of what um, triggered you to say we should review this one this week. I had been I had been hearing about it for a little while. And then and then, yeah, and then you brought it up. And then I just happened to get an email from a publicist pitching it. And I was like, yeah, we probably should talk about that movie. Mm-hmm. Let's see what the fuss is about. We've already formed opinions. No, yeah, they're set. So we might as well watch it. So let's yeah, let's go ahead and watch the movie and then cram the movie into those pre-existing opinions. Mm-hmm. And we also have um, Margaret we, Qualley. Margaret Qualley. And what, what was the other time that our internet came on whenever Jeffrey Epstein died? Oh, yes. Yes. <laughs> well, it was 30 to 50 feral wild hogs. Right. That was one. And then... Uh, and then This and, article. And then this article. And, and when then, Jeffrey Epstein died. Yes, because, guys, the thing about... Let me... Word to the wise. Um, pro tip. If you go on a cruise with your friends and uh, you don't buy an internet package on the ship, you will not be able to communicate with Mm-mm. said friends. You would think that like iPhones would have some sort of like walkie-talkie feature, right? Right. Where you can just message via Bluetooth or something, which it probably does, and I probably just don't know about it. Um, and also, not all of us had iPhones, <clears throat> but <laughs> uh, but it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was interesting to be on the boat. Well, literally, our cabins were right next to each other. Mm-hmm. Me and Scott in one, and you and Sol and Heidi in the next, and uh, and yet we just would lose each other for yeah. hours at a time but then the ship is only so big and suddenly we would see each other again and it'd be like hey you're here <laughs> i mean i was actively hiding from you <laughs> you're like so just so you know whenever you saw me i was just defeated i was hurriedly trying to turn around and uh <laughs> then you caught me so uh but anyway yes um the uh the adam controversy traveled all the way to our time in spain mm-hmm. and now here we are and we're reviewing it we both just watched it today so it's fresh oh, you watched it today as well yeah i did yes so it's fresh in both of our minds mm-hmm. uh and it is controversial for reasons that that description of the movie completely sidesteps <laughs> <laughs> uh, i brought up um margaret Qualley because she was in once Upon a Time in Hollywood, she which was. I just saw. And she's also from Novitiate, which <laughs> you may remember us reviewing a little while ago. No, I don't. Did you Look did it up. You, did you like her in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? Um, Sure. <laughs> That's really no good way to answer that question. <laughs> she was a fabulous actress. She is a fabulous actress. That is one part of the movie that... that did you watch Fosse Verdon? You did, right? Oh, right. She's also in Fosse Verdon. Yeah, she also she can play anywhere ranking. between 17 and like 27. <laughs> <laughs> easily and uh did you did you also pick up on the uh hannah and marnie vibes that she had with lena dunham 
Oh scene. yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Lena Dunham. Yeah, that was uh, that was good. <laughs> that was oh, no, also that, that whole scene is the a, best part of the movie. <laughs> We're just gonna keep talking about yeah, it once upon sure. a time. Was the scene with Luke Perry? Oh, that was your favorite scene. Yeah, well, the where well, Leonardo DiCaprio, entire... which is like it's like the Mulholland Drive scene of that movie, <laughs> right. where it's like okay, this is all a joke, and all of a sudden it's like acting. Right. Mm. And and then again, one of the few moments where you're like lose yourself in the movie, right? And it has Luke Perry in it, so you're I like know. already emotionally invested. Mm-hmm. It's such a short scene, but it's so Timothy good. Oliphant, right? Very good. Is that how you pronounce it? Oliphant. 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 Really? I believe it's Oliphant. Interesting. I believe. You've, it. you've been saying Oliphant all this time. Yeah, Timothy like, Oliphant. Like elephant. Yeah. Timothy Oliphant. Yeah. I don't think it's Oliphant. I think it's Oliphant. Well, although uh, I did find out um, my my boss was cracking on me uh, just yesterday because I, I turned out I found another thing that I've been saying wrong for my entire life. Ooh. Yes. Um, we were talking about some work project and some detail that we need. And I was like, listen, it's not like that's going to be like the clinch pin of the whole thing. Oh, no. And he was like, uh, linchpin. I'm like, clinchpin. He's like, <laughs> Lynchpin. I'm like, what's a linchpin? He's like, that's the word. I'm like, but no, clinch. It like clinches it. It's a clinch pin. He's like, no. No. Yeah. I'm like, let me look this. Oh. All right. <laughs> I tried to type a clinch pin and it suggested linchpin. So that's, that's how you know. And that's how, that you know. how you know. That's like the gentle, passive aggressive Google search way of being like, oh, no, I was wrong. Mm-hmm. It is a clinch pin. It's not a thing. Uh, Any hoozy. I don't know how I got onto that. Oh, yeah, Oliphant. Oliphant. Oh, right. Oliphant. Timothy Oliphant. And back to Adam. Sure. Yes. Uh, so, Wolf Video does it again. <laughs> Wolf Video does it again. Uh, so this movie is directed by uh, Reese Ernst, uh, a trans male filmmaker who worked on Transparent quite a bit. Mm. And, um, and this is an adaptation of a fairly controversial um, YA novel that um, has unsurprisingly translated into a controversial feature film. Although, from what I'm reading, they uh, made quite a few changes for the better Mm. um, compared to how the book was. But, uh, okay, so the reason this is controversial uh, is because the the titular character of Adam uh, is a uh, cis, white, straight teenage boy who goes to visit his big sister in New York for the summer which already strained credibility for me. Um, the scene where Margaret Qualley as his sister just says like, come for the whole summer. Uh, because it's like what his last summer of high school and his parents says on a has one scene as his mom. And she's just, and he like just broke up with his girlfriend and she's like, go see your sister. And then, uh, he calls his sister and she quite, uh, improbably is like, just come for the whole summer. I personally can't imagine that. I didn't. I, uh, yeah, I was, there were a few moments in this movie where I, I would, I, w- I didn't understand, and I didn't understand if siblings are like that. Right. Um, you're older, right, than your I'm brother? The ol- yeah, I'm the older sibling. So and you can't imagine if I can't you, imagine if saying was... for the whole summer, no. Yeah, right? Because no. that's like the point where you're su- living such different lives. Mm-hmm. And also, she's like in college. She's meant to be in college, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, no, I mean, obviously, like when you're in college, like summer is like your fucking time. Mm-hmm. So the last thing you want to do is be like carrying your younger sibling around with you. Who I mean, was I not old enough to drink. She was like trying to get him to get her parents, their parents to pay for his rent for them, him to like stay in that closet. So maybe it was like mm. an emergency. Hail, but Strategy. it did feel genuine. Like she did really want him there. Well, that's 
that's a testament to her acting. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so as we mentioned earlier, Margot Qualley is a fine actress. Mm-hmm. Daughter of Andy McDowell. Yes, yes. So, uh, you know, we were only going to get a good actor from that stock. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. so anyway, so uh, so Doofy Adam goes to live with his sister and all of her queer roommates. And they all go to Smith, I think. Probably. Um, and uh, and starts having quite a crash course in uh, in a uh, in queer culture. Wait, I think it's actually Columbia. Is it Columbia? Somebody said Smith. Some character talked about going to of Smith. Of course. But yeah. So, um, <laughs> of course. So he gets quite a crash course in um, queer and trans culture uh, in a way that the, the, the film is set in 2006. Yeah, that's a good note. Did you think that they were all talking like it was 2006? Um, first of all, I was sitting there. I was like, okay, this movie was in 2006. And then I was like, okay, that was uh, like 13 years ago. Okay. Um, hmm. This movie seems like it could have been yesterday. Mm-hmm. Um, wait a minute. What if I when I was like, if I, I was trying to put myself into the age of the people in the movie, mm-hmm. um, and I was like, okay, so like in the nineties or the early two thousands, if a movie was set in nineteen eighty seven, I would be like, oh, this movie is like like super retro, out of date. Like the gap between nineteen eighty seven and two thousand seems oh, so much bigger than the gap between two thousand six oh, and twenty nineteen. God, that's. Very true. Right? Massive. Is that just because we're our age? Maybe. Maybe because, yeah, I mean, it may be people who were our age back then are just like, ah, oh, they weren't so different. Uh, but I just feel like the fashions in, alone in 1987 were so pronounced. And then they stopped being that way completely until like oh, now it's kind of whatever yeah. is happening. You could look like you're from any age, really. I was, I, I, I was just thinking today about like, since I was like, oh, fuck, like next year we're literally going to be in a new decade. And I don't know what the aughts will be remembered for in terms of like culture, like in terms I mean, of fashion, the internet. <laughs> the internet, but like, you know, like fashion and trends and things like that. Like, I don't know what the aughts will be remembered for in that way. Like I, I, I remember, or I'm sorry, the teens, the teens, not the aughts. Oh, right. Then, I, cause everything rephrase. looks like the nineties. Right. So like the aughts, like I remember starting to get some perspective on like, oh, okay. So like there was, especially in the early aughts, there was that kind of awful nineties hangover period. Mm-hmm. And then there's like the, you know, the Ed Dutch or the, you know, or the Ed Hardy rather, the Ed oh, Hardy stuff. Mm-hmm. And then also like the rise of like hipsterism and skinny jeans, and asymmetrical haircuts. Da, da, da. Yeah. Yeah. But like, but looking back over the last nine years, I have no idea. Nothing. Like what's going to be remembered from this time. Like, I don't know. I, I just don't, I just can't think of any trends really that we're taking off. I'm sure eventually you'll be like, oh yeah, that, that was very of that time. But eventually, I, but I feel like everything is just like, I don't know. It, everything either looks like it's from the nineties mm-hmm. or the eighties. Right. Right. Or, like the pleated pants and like tucked in t-shirts that right. I wear all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, I, it's very it, like amorphous yeah. uh, and in, indistinct. It's very nuanced. It's very subtle if there are any differences. Right, like, yeah. I think like most of us in pictures of ourselves from 2006 would not necessarily be dressed so drastically different than we are in 2019. Not compared to 1987 yeah, versus 2000. which would be fully night and day. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> Adam. <laughs> yeah, so this movie. So, um, so anyway, this movie looks like it could be current yeah I, I noticed they tried to give a few little style things here and there that were more 2006 especially with the with margaret qualley's character but also she was wearing like, like a belt at one point that i was like oh that's a very 2006 belt mm, i was thinking more when like adam was in high school watching what the straight girls were wearing in like oh. michigan or wherever he's from mm-hmm. i feel like that's more indicative than like 
a queer scene in New York could literally look like any time. Yes. Yes. All right. That's, yeah. So that's the thing of like, does this have a sense of time? It also has just even its queer references feel very all over the place because, you know, the first thing we see in, in Margaret Qualley's apartment is in a massive poster of the incredibly true adventures of yeah. two girls in love. That's just Wolf Video had that sitting around. <laughs> like, yeah, put this up. No one has ever owned that poster. I was like, I don't buy that she would have that over her bed. That movie had come out over 10 years earlier. I don't think that Mm-mm. that didn't. And then even Scott, Scott briefly breezed through while I was watching this movie. And it's a scene where they're all doing karaoke to Anya DeFranco. And he he just like looked at the characters and he was like, those babies wouldn't know Anya DeFranco. No. And I told him, I was like, well, this is meant to be in 2006. He's like, and? <laughs> uh, and maybe like, if it was like 1999. Right. Then, yeah, that would have been like peak. Like that's been like, you know, 18 year olds were going and buying Little Plastic Castle the day it came out. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think there's, it definitely plays fast and loose with its sort of like cultural references. And we need al- to find somebody who was in Smith in 2006. <laughs> yes. So if that's you, let us know. Um, but then, but yeah, I think the point that I was starting off with <laughs> was Adam. we're really, we're trying to get away from this one, um, is that the characters in this movie have what feels like a very 2019 understanding of gender language and identity and concepts and philosophy. And so the question is, are you a late bloomer or is the movie not being authentic to the dialogue that was happening in the queer community in 2006? I'll tell you something I Googled while I was watching this movie. When did the cisgender (laughs) (laughs) myself up for that one? (laughs) Margaret Qualley, dad. Pizza Zone and Grill Hours. Because <laughs> I was. Feral Hogs New Developments. <laughs> 70 to 90 Feral Hogs. Uh, so, uh, no, I go- <laughs> uh, no, I, I googled, um, when did the word trans happen? Um, and I just kind of let autofill guide me as I started trying to type it because I was like, when did we start having conversations where we use the word trans to mean Mm. what we understand to mean now? And I found an article from slate from 2014 that said like, okay, what is, what is trans? Where did this word come from? Like that we're all saying now. And I was like, okay. So in slate is not like people magazine. I mean, slate's pretty, you know, like plugged in on things. So I took that to mean like even a, the slate was not talking about like what trans really was or meant using that word. Right. Obviously, the concept of being transgender is not new, but in terms of because in this movie people say trans all the time. Right. And like that the was, slang of it in a way that. Yeah. I feel like that is not 2006. No, no. And and then I was like, well, maybe I'm sure like if you're like a, a super plugged in queer college student in 2006 in New York, maybe you were ahead of the curb and already knew all these terms. But then I was like, nah, it's just bullshit. <laughs> so. I mean, I feel like even the, f- okay, even the fact that they go to YouTube and look at, he mm. looks up videos. Um, YouTube was like 2005, mm-hmm. like really became right. a thing. And yeah, sure. They use like the old logo and like old internet explorer type right, like yeah. stuff. But I feel like there wouldn't be that many, like trans journey vlogs already on YouTube at that time at, in 2006. Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, I've been on T for this long and mm-hmm. I did that. And I, uh, I don't know. Yeah. 
no, I had a hard time with that. And um, and we're, we're kind of getting in the weeds on, it, on, really on, on, on other issues that the movie has. <laughs> uh, so so I'll, so I'll focus, I'll bring it back to the primary thing people have uh, are upset about with Adam. Uh, so as he is um, living with his sister in New York and um, he winds up just sort of, he doesn't know anyone there. So all he can do is follow tag along with her to all of her various friend activities. Um, and her friends are exclusively made up of queer and trans people. And, um, and so, you know, he gets to go to his first L word viewing party, which I was trying to remember. I'm like, was the L word still in 2006? I think it was. Oh, I don't know. I feel like that's around the time it was wrapping up. I know. I think queer as folk had wrapped up like a year earlier. So I think the L word out. out it ran. went, uh, 2004 to 2009. Hey, so, okay. So it had that right. <laughs> <laughs> the L word was still on the air in 2006. Um, although the, it's it's the I don't know if the max year. I'm just I'm were- opening right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm opening right now because it does make a point of showing us Max, uh, who of course is one of the most uh, polarizing, notorious characters in the history of the L word. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, so yeah, so so Adam's tagging along to all these activities. And, um, and then, uh, one night he is for the first, <laughs> for the first, but not last time mistaken for a trans man, um, by a drunk woman at a party, uh, who, uh, who attempts to sort of have her way with him in a bathroom. And, um, and then sometime later, uh, he notices a, uh, a young lady who catches his eye at a, uh, a march. And, uh, and so, and he sees that young lady again at a party that night and they have a spark and they start to hit it off. Um, but then, um, she mentions to him, um, she says like that she is a lesbian and that she has never been with a trans man before. And he understands what she is saying, which is that she has mistaken him for a trans man as well. And he does not correct her. Mm-hmm. And so, quick <clears throat> update: um, yes. the, the Max <laughs> character um, happens in season three, which is which takes place between January two thousand six and March two thousand six. Well, hot damn! Mm-hmm. They even got that right. Um, major storylines include Moira taking the name Max after coming out as a trans man. Mm-hmm. Dana's diagnosis with and oh. spoiler alert. R.I.P. Ultimate Dana. death from brain, from breast cancer. R.I.P. Dana. Uh, Shane and Carmen's wedding. Oof. Ugh. <laughs> now I just... say that like I even even remember any of this. <laughs> um, so yeah, so they actually so that also that timeline worked out well. So it's so funny that they still insist on using all the modern language around gender identity in this movie, given the fact that they also still use the T word in this movie. Uh, you know, the, uh, the two syllable T word, that's a mm. slur that we don't use anymore. Mm. They use that in this movie, which I had no issue with because that was like of the time, like right. that's a word that we all used quite a bit. And so, and they, you know, and they say faggot a lot in this movie too. And that, you know, remains, um, <clears throat> at least for me, uh, <laughs> at least when I go out anywhere walking by cars, <laughs> but so, so anyway, so there is, so Matt, so Adam begins to, go into a relationship with this young woman. Uh, and she, you know, continues to believe that he is a trans man. And, uh, you know, the relationship is not just like holding hands. Like they have a sexual relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, and he is able to sort of, 
mask things uh, by wearing an apparatus and by keeping his shirt on. And, you know, he does a lot of research to figure out how to speak in a convincing way about things because he realizes that he's like very much in the deep end in the sense of being surrounded by people who know a lot about this and he is a fraud. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm going to let you start talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, things start to pick up Uh, at one point. His friend comes from, from high school. Yes. He has Um, a broy douchey friend who's really hot. (laughs) (laughs) Thrown into the deep end. And like, I'm honestly very confused that, 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 that part of the movie didn't ruin everything. Yeah, you would think a it- straight guy, high school student, super broy, 2006, yeah. goes and visits his friend in New York City, and his sister, and the sister nobody knew was knew was gay. So now he finds out that his friend's sister's gay. They're hanging out with all sorts of queer, trans, um, non-binary, non-binary gender f- fuck. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um. And and also like without even giving a good explanation, um, uh, Adam isn't really able to say like, okay, here's what trans is, and this woman thinks I am, but don't say anything about it. Like doesn't give any story yet. This whole time they're like out drinking, and the buddy doesn't mess up at all. No, unbelievable. It's, it really is amazing that, that we're meant to believe that the buddy has just somehow innately intuited. Right. What's going on and understands that his role is to not say anything. I think he doesn't <laughs> even under, really understand. He <laughs> until right. he says then, a very bad things um, with response to a hate crime. It's 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 bad, but it's also a, it was a really interesting way to move the plot forward in the movie. I thought it was. they go back to the house and the sisters crying, watching the news, watching um, a the news footage about covering a, the story of, of, a, of a trans woman that is murdered. And the story that they're showing on the news is that is because of the person that 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 uh, she was with, uh, you know, thought thought he was with a woman, found out he was with a man, and then killed the trans person. And so the people in the house watching the news are very upset, and the, the high school douche bro comes in and is like, well, he should have said something. Right. And, you know, uses the wrong pronouns. And, mm. and I mean, that's like the most 2006 thing about Yeah, about for the sure. Movie. That was real nice. It's like, okay, yeah, that tracks. That's, right. how, that, that's yeah. how that character yeah, would that react to back. the situation, right? That took me back. Um, and in this, you know, uncomfortable dialogue, it's also bringing to the forefront exactly what Adam is doing mm-hmm. in a very interesting way. Yeah. Um, and so he's like insisting that like, you know, of course I don't think that this, that he should have killed this person, but, um, uh, but you like, you're lying. Like, uh, I, if, you know, Adam, how would you like it if you were with a girl and you found out? So it's this inc- super awkward, cringy moment mm-hmm. in so many different ways. Yeah. Incredibly um, acted across the board. It really is. Uh, Mark quality once again. <laughs> really, just shines. <laughs> just shines. Dick sticks the landing. Really. Um, so I, I thought that 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 scene was fantastic. No, yeah, no, I agree. It was a great scene, and it was sort of it was the only scene. It the scene it basically justifies the entire subplot of the friend coming to visit because the rest of yeah. the time he's just there. Yeah. And you know, and like lesbians are making fun of him, and, <laughs> and, and he's you know, taking it. Yeah, and we've all been there. Uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> It was, uh, I recently went to Barcelona and I uh, was <laughs> laughed at my lesbians the entire time. Uh, but, yeah. uh, you didn't even know those ladies. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why they kept following us everywhere. Um, uh, so then, you know, I think that that's kind of the the thing that, that 
that makes Adam realize that he needs to tell um, his girlfriend what what the truth is. And he starts to, she stops him. And then they go to, and this is a very 2006 thing, still talking about the women, Michigan Women's Festival, mm-hmm. which is something I haven't heard about since 2006. <laughs> we used to hear about it all the time. Right. Um, and the, the sort of like counter protest about their like... Turfs. Turfs. Uh, uh, trans... Um, Exclusionary, radical, feminists. Mm-hmm. Uh, policies. And it's at this point that Adam uh, tells his girlfriend that he is not trans. So we're, we're telling we're, we're telling you the whole movie now. <laughs> By the way, we're we're gonna yeah. we're giving you the whole thing. We can stop there. There's more. Yeah, there's in which you know. Yeah, so I mean, in which I mean, I guess anyone in their right mind would assume that in this in this movie, it always comes out at some point, right? And you know, and I think that they, you know, so that, I mean, this is sort of like, you know, it's like it's like boys don't cry the other way. It's like boys don't cry too. Boys do cry. <laughs> it is. Uh, so it is. So yeah, that's 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 why everyone. But it isn't like boys don't cry at all. Is the is the problem? Well, yeah, yes. If there's a problem, that's the problem. Right. It's that um, Adam spends a wacky summer with his sister. Right. Tricks this woman <laughs> mm-hmm. and comes out at the other end, having learned a little bit about life, a little bit about loving, laughing, living. <laughs> And makes new friends for life. Um, exactly. Finds out that being trans slaps. <laughs> <laughs> you know what other movie I watched this past week? 20th Century Women. Oh, art bag. Speaking of uh, mm. coming of age movies, um, mm. so fucking good. So, I can't believe they got robbed. I know. They really did. Anyway, it back still, to Adam. It claps my cheeks to this day. It really does. That um, that, that movie got robbed. But What do you think about this movie, Jason, and the central argument of what we just described. Well, so I was reading an interview with Reese Ernst, the director today. Um, and he of course was defending, um, you know, the movie and, uh, and arguing that, 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 that queer artists and filmmakers shouldn't feel like they only, they can only make quote unquote safe stories. Um, I think there's, I remember having, um, doing an interview once with the filmmaker, Justin Kelly, and we were talking about, um, the movie he was promoting at the time, which was I Am Michael, the movie um, about the the ex the ex the Christian ex gay mm. um, who had been the publisher of X Y magazine mm. and then became Born Again Christian. And we were at the time talking about how like there's you know there's like there's there's a different conversations that queer creatives have where there's ways that we talk to each other where we can have like that higher level of like honesty of like well yes like things are fluid and things change and like sexuality is a spectrum but then when it comes to like public facing in the straight world and certainly in the policy world the political world we have to fight for um you know much more fixed definitions of things um because otherwise our rights are ignored uh and they are like well if things can change then why do you deserve to have legal rights if you're saying that you could actually wake up tomorrow and have totally different sexual feelings um, so, uh, I was kind of thinking of that watching this movie, uh, because it's interesting in some ways, what's so offensive about it is almost part of the point of the fluidity of human sexuality. Uh, but that's just one piece of it. The other piece of it is abject deception, I think the thing that also that makes it so different between like this and a story like boys don't cry, um, is that, you know, in this, the person who is infiltrating this group 
is statistically speaking the greatest threat to that group. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it's a cis white male, in particular uh, a young one. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. So, for him to infiltrate the way he does, and um, and especially the fact that the relationship is become sexual, I felt watching it. I felt like she did. She couldn't really consent to this, right? Um, because she a big piece of his identity was being masked from her. She believed he was one person, but he was actually another. Um, and I think there probably is still a lot of, when you get into, and depending on what school of thought you live in with regards to like the fixed nature of gender identity or whether, you know, or the extent to which gender being a construct means that all bets are off or that kind of thing. You know, I, it kind of might change one's perspective on just how wrong it is that he does not, be more uh, explicit with her about his gender identity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it still just felt very uneasy and uncomfortable. Um, and it relatively lets him off pretty easy at the end. Like at least it doesn't give him like the, you know, it doesn't give him like a fairy tale ending. Um, you know, so I think I was at least happy about that, but I don't know. What did you think? This was tough. Yes. I think that I, agree with what you're saying about not being able to tell the story of gender fluidity and like if at the end of the day this is a story about a woman discovering her bisexuality right then the movie should have been through the lens of the woman who <laughs> right. discovers she's bisexual right it shouldn't be called adam right and about um this sympathetic character mm-hmm. um to center him to center him to you know really justify his actions under the lenses of confusion and youth and love. Um, and again, to, ha- to, to have him in this community where they talk about in the movie the dangers of this lifestyle, mm-hmm. um, to have him, like, I feel like that's a fairy tale ending. Oh, you're f- the first person you have sex with, you like don't end up with, is not like, that's still a fairy tale ending. Like, mm-hmm. you have your heart broken because right. you don't end up with the first person you fuck is like, still a really great ending mm-hmm. um things worked out just fine for him oh yeah no in that sense yeah he even makes he back get... the friend he upset and his sister loves him again and he he's gonna be just fucking fine mm-hmm. um i think that the the one part and i don't know if i'm thinking too much about it which is i don't know that she wouldn't know that he was a guy mm-hmm. right at this what is... point this part and i feel like the movie should have clarified this i mean they, you know i i think that I don't know enough to say anything about, you know, what someone could believe or understand about um, the, I don't know, physiology of the person that they're with. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like I should have to do these mental gymnastics for this situation. <laughs> I'm tired. Right? <laughs> like, if, okay, if she understood and was going with it and struggling with um, her ability to, you know, come to grips with the fact that she is into this cis man again it should be i don't even remember her name yeah it should be the her movie right this thing is this like to take all these queer actors and a queer director and to tell this story which is basically this justification for a straight guy yeah do you want to say i mean can you say raping Right? I mean, it's tough. It's It's really, it's really tough. I feel like there's a better use of time and money. (laughs) Sure. Yes. 
Um, to put it to put it where it all comes down. <laughs> right, that's our new. It's send it, we're gonna send it back. <laughs> we're just gonna say hey, there's a better use of time. Dollars and, money. and cents. Dollars and cents. Let me see the numbers. Um, well, and what Reese Ernst has described this as is um, is, a, is a sort of a Trojan horse movie. Where <laughs> indeed. <laughs> oh, indeed. <laughs> Thirty to fifty feral Trojan horses, even. Um, so, but yeah, a Trojan horse movie where I guess my analogy that comes to mind is like Orange is the New Black, Taylor Schilling's character of Piper is almost a Trojan horse on that show because that's a show that led up front with a very conventionally pretty white blonde character, um, as the hook to get middle America to take a chance on the show that as it progressed became decreasingly about her. And she gradually sort of just faded into uh, the backdrop as this larger constellation of actresses who were people of color, trans women, actresses of age took the forefront. So I think that what Reese Ernst would say about this is that that's kind of what he's thinking. Like this is a way that people could watch this movie because they might see the character of Adam is like, Oh, okay. Like that's, I can see myself in that character and they can walk in his shoes. I think the ideal that Ernst has is that they will then walk in Adam's shoes. And then like this average viewer who might not know as much about the trans experience would get the same education that he does. Uh, because the movie never, the movie does only laugh at Adam. Like it never holds um, the queer and trans characters up as like objects of scorn or ridicule. Like we laugh at him being like just so oblivious. He does go on a very open-hearted journey of um, of learning and understanding and um, and discovering all of this. The representation of in the movie of um, you know of of queer life, of trans life, of like you know fetish parties, of you know of all of it. Like it kind of it goes there. Um, with with a fair bit of fair bit of stuff, so I can't say it's all bad. I mean, I feel like that it's it's very cute of the director to think that uh, anyone would watch it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't who doesn't understand the experience is going to watch a fucking wolf video movie. <laughs> well, they probably wouldn't know what wolf video means, so they might still they wouldn't see the wolf video and be like, what? Oh, I those mean, queers. Nice try. Is it getting released outside of San Francisco and New York? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, this isn't like it's, I don't know, some kind of blockbuster that we're using. It's not a, it's not a green book. <laughs> no, no, it is not. <laughs> um, Wait, did you ever see that movie yet? No, I still have the, the, the disc. You have my screener still. <laughs> um, none of the, none of the excuses work. I, it's, it's, now I'm upset. Uh-oh. Now I see Queer Studio all these queer actors and like, and then you're taking this movie to, to just show this story of this straight. I'm pissed. I'm pissed. Yeah. I mean, it's sort of like, yeah. I mean, I was going to try to make a comparison to love Simon. I was reading a review that made me think of my review of love Simon. (laughs) uh, And you loved it, which I was like, well said. Um, they basically said that, you know, you're talking about, Oh, why couldn't it be for the point of view of the, of the girlfriend? Um, but then this reviewer was saying, like, this re- it was a positive review, and it was by a, a trans critic, but, uh, but he was saying that, you know, like, it would be nice if the story could be told from the point of view of the roommate, uh, of the Asian roommate, mm, mm. Um, which is a pretty remarkable character. And this critic was saying that really it's the relationship between Adam and that guy that is the heart of the movie. And I guess that's true, because in the end, yeah, that's kind is. of the reconciliation that he, that he pursues the most aggressively. 
Um, and that's the more transformational relationship. Um, and, um, so, but then why not just have it be from the roommate's perspective? Right. And that's why I said about love Simon with, well, why did it have to be through like the pretty pouty white boys point of view? Why can it be from the character of the other gay character at the school, Ethan, who's there literally the entire time, mm. but because he's a femme man of color, uh, mm. it's just written off as a sort of like laughing stock and doesn't get to have his own agency or identity mm. in any mm-hmm. way. Um, while we follow this like, yeah, little pouty white boy around while he's just like, which mask for mask guy will I lose it to? So, uh, <laughs> this goes back to your feelings about marathons. It does. It does. Uh, I'm giving it a send it back. <sighs> you know, I'm going to go with a consume on this one because I do think that it's very well acted and I agree with Reese Ernst in theory that like that, you know, the risks, risks are a good thing to take and risks can certainly backfire. And I think that there's a, a lot of the risk in this movie that doesn't quite pay off. And, but yeah, but also I guess there is that thing of like, who is this for? The risk is saying that, oh, this guy did this terrible thing, but it might work out in the end. Mm-hmm. That's it's a terrible. It works out for him. He does something terrible. Imagine if she wouldn't what wasn't okay with it. Right. Yeah. No, it's true. I mean, I can't get past that. I can't. I can't. I can't get around. You know, like no matter what kind of appreciation I want to have for the movie and the various, you know, the, the sum of it, the parts, um, amounting to something that I think is a, is a fine movie on principle on principle. It's a Senate back. Yeah. So Margaret, Margaret Qualley though, <laughs> she is great. She she's can, one to watch. She can really emote pick. <laughs> <laughs> she can pick one out of the, out of the, out of the dumpster, out of the send it back pile. And she can shine it up, give it to us. We'll be like, thank you more, please. Adam is unrated, but would be our for nudity graphic, sexual content, and language. One Child Nation is our last movie this week, saving the best for last. After becoming a mother, a filmmaker uncovers the untold history of China's one-child policy and the generations of parents and children forever shaped by the social experiment. Jason and I had um, the honor to see this movie, uh, followed by a Q&A with the director, Nanfu Nan Fu Wang. Nan Fu Wang. We saw this about a month ago now. I think it yeah, was. we saw it before before even uh, for Sama. Yeah. Uh, oh right. Yeah. We saw these uh, those over consecutive weeks, and after each one, we were treated to a, a lavish reception, which was very strange. Very strange. I mean, the description is is pretty um, pretty much captures the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, we watch this, uh, new mother director go, um, to China, uh, rural China. She, uh, directed another movie before this, which is uh, hooligan sparrow. Mm-hmm. And, um, we learned a lot in the Q and a afterwards about all of the safety precautions she had to take because in that movie, she, um, had exposed some injustices and um, at one point while filming this movie was um, followed onto a train and had to have a complex series of uh, her partner in the, in the, in making the film was tracking her location and she wasn't in direct contact with a lot of the, the interview subjects in the movie. So that was a really interesting additional layer. There's a whole basically spy movie going on behind the scenes Mm -hmm. that the movie doesn't fully, the movie only acknowledges once when it absolutely has to. 
Right. Which right. showed, which showed a, a nice sort of modesty that, you know, she wasn't like Michael mooring it and just leading with all the brave and courageous things that she did. Like she very much underplays it. And that's what made it all the more startling whenever we stood there listening to her talk about the extreme lengths that they went to, to protect her, um, given the danger that she was in just consistently the entire time. And we, I don't think we mentioned that she's originally, she's from China mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and her, uh, her family is still lives there. Mm-hmm. So she goes to visit her family and, and knowing this layer again, it's so crazy because this movie itself has a couple of layers. One is just in kind of investigating, um, and, and interviewing people who were involved in different in the in the one child policy enforcement in different ways, she meets with a, a midwife. She meets with like um, a, a highly decorated woman who who was a doctor, um, and she meets with her own family. She um, that that's the part of the movie to me which was really made this a standout. This would have mm-hmm. that's what would have made this my pick of the week. Um, as she as she kind of. She she also she has this other layer where she realizes how much of her life she was just accepted the, the propaganda of the Chinese government about all sorts of things, including this. And, and the idea is that without the one child policy, um, China would be in starvation um, and this is necessary to allow the, the country to prosper. And growing up with that, you know, kind of had the the she get you get the idea that she didn't really think about it twice, bought in, and she goes back and starts to interview her family and interview people that are involved and learn so much about how much of that uh, propaganda is still in effect in the the in the minds and hearts of the people that she uh, she her and her family, um, while interviewing other people who are really struggling with what they did and 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 just the i don't know the the grand scale of impacts of these people had yeah i made it sound very businessy because it's very uncomfortable to talk about <laughs> yeah yeah uh it is yeah i think it does have all those layers like you're alluding to and um and it really it's that kind of documentary where you know she is there and she is doing it for a personal reason it's very similar it's similar to for sama mm. uh, in that regard too in that you know both are about women who um you know when they became mothers uh it sort of changed their outlook on 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 everything and uh, and it's because of their children that they are compelled to sort of tell these stories like you know in for sama it's quite literally the title uh you know the right. whole movie's frame is a letter to her daughter to explain um, where her parents came from and where she came from and why she spent her first, you know, year or two of life at great mortal danger. Um, and in this, uh, it was the experience of, um, of Nan Fu becoming a mother that made her kind of think about her own childhood mm-hmm. and the choices that her parents had made. And, and <clears throat> because she <clears throat> is such an unassuming figure, in the film and, you know, and the people she talks to generally have such a light way of describing what, uh, kind of what had gone on. <clears throat> it makes it seem very kind of, it's very insidious the way that, uh, you gradually start to grasp the horror of what's happened. Mm-hmm. The film is expertly calibrated in that regard in terms mm. of the way that it gradually like opens up. It just kind of gives you little reveals here and there that start to like take you on this journey of like, of, be just beginning to grasp the the magnitude of horror of what is actually being talked about. Cause it's one thing to say, yeah, there was a one child policy. You can only have one child. Sure. That is 
so far removed from what that means. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and then you know, so when you realize, uh, you know, just what how that played out, how that was enforced, uh, what it meant when a family would have a girl as their first child. Uh, the ways that various unsavory sorts came along to exploit uh, the situation for profit whenever families would abandon their their daughters in the streets because they didn't want to have a daughter, they wanted to have a son, and they could only have one, so if they had a daughter, out she goes. Um, or possibly was, you know, killed the moment she was born. Uh, forced sterilizations. Forced sterilizations. Uh, you know, families would have their um, belongings destroyed and their houses set mm-hmm. on fire for not complying. Um, it is... I think after we walked out of this movie, we were looking at each other talking about like, we're like, well, it's, it's a dystopia. <laughs> it is a dystopia. It, except for it really happened. It is, it is really something else. Um, you really captured it well. China has a one child policy. It really, you interpret that in the most um, prescriptive of ways, mm-hmm. not, not reactive ways. Right. Right. And, and to take, to take that idea of a country that is physically so big, with such a large population, such an uh, impenetrable, obtuse government, um, and to say, like, how do you even start making a movie about this in mm-hmm. a way that can resonate with people, that doesn't feel like uh, it, like an American propaganda, um, right. like, you know, documentary by the History Channel or something. Right. It's it's this. First of all, there, she, she takes... Outside of her family, she takes these perspectives from from interesting folks, um, people in America who run um, this. I guess it's like a nonprofit that try to help people who were adopted from China um, find out where they were from. That kind of goes backwards through interviewing people who were part of the like orphan um, adoption, uh, illegal, mm-hmm. questionable, uh, questionably ethical um, trade. Then she uh, talks a lot to uh, to an artist who I feel is it kind of lays out some of the most graphic, mm-hmm. disturbing, uh, you know, real, and it, and it comes like you know from an artist, so it's it's not like it's from a doctor in a very clinical way. Right. Um, this he, is the woman who's oh there's oh I was gonna say the the midwife. Not even not even there, right. but he you yeah. know he literally stumbles upon like the carcasses of mm-hmm. of babies. Right. Um, and he makes beautiful art from it, but you don't see that leading there. Um, no. and then she talks to the people who, you know, again, the midwives and the doctors who, um, performed all of these, um, forced abortions and forced sterilizations and, you know, the different perspectives they have on it. And then it goes back to the family again, which is like, how, again, like how do you take this, this giant issue that mm-hmm. seems so hard to relate to? Um, and I wanted to ask so badly in the Q and a, like, so your family, have they seen this? <laughs> right. Because I, I think they, you know, they already have like a st- strange relationship with her as she explores through um, just the, the mm-hmm. different perspectives on having a son and having a daughter and, right. and, and how her life was different because she's well, the daughter of the family. And even, yeah, right. And like that her father kind of never, like they, she, she gets into the fact that her, because she, they, they had a brother. Mm-hmm. She had a brother as well. Uh, because like, eventually I think there was a, an, a revision to the policy. <clears throat> that uh that i think you know certain rural families if they had um you know a daughter first could also try again to have right. a boy and now there is just a gen- now there's a two child policy uh, also what does that mean right <laughs> right so what's what's the version what the of, hell's of, going on what's two child nation gonna look like when that documentary gets made what are the horror what's stories happening right are, now right we can never, never who knows if we'll ever know what's happening in china right now but 
but so she uh, she talks about just yeah that her the, the abject favoritism that her father mm-hmm. had for her brother and, and her like, grandfather still has and, yeah and her grandfather still yeah that her grandfather just yeah like kind of generally wants very little to do with her if anything um, she had to go to work her, her father passed away when she was in high school she had to go to work and I think didn't get to finish school while her brother stayed home and finished school mm-hmm. um, and then I think like the first round with her family is very like wow, you're really surprised that they're still on board with the propaganda. Right. And then you learn the the very personal ways that her family has been in, affected by the policy. Yes. It's really something else. And that's kind of the question. So that's the question you had that you wish that you could ask. And of course, I think we know the answer to that is like they could never see it unless they were flown out of China to watch also, it. Also, yeah, absolutely. Um, but my question that I find myself wondering was... <clears throat> Do you know are the, are the Chinese aware of the propaganda? Like, are they aware of it in the way that I would imagine, just looking at it from a Western lens? Like, as we watch, you know, you know, we see Trump say things like, you know, I have the best people, and I'm the second coming, and you know, like, the, like, and we're like aware that he is like creating these propagandist sounding statements. Uh, I just wonder, like, is there that same basic awareness of of like okay this is all propaganda because what watching it from a western perspective and you see like the different campaigns you see what the slogans are you see the songs the public performances and you at least i am just like that is it's so absurd and so over the top and uh, you know in such you know to take art forms and then just cram these very extremely didactic prescriptive government policies into them and then try to dress it up as like a fun thing. Um, but if that's all you've ever known for, in terms of how your government communicates with you your entire life, then like it doesn't even strike you that way or does it just feel like, yep, this is how we get our information. Like right now this is what's happening. Uh, yeah. One child policy is great because based on the interviews with her parent, with her family, it sounds like the, it was not questioned. Right. Like, yeah, it, it was just like, well, yeah, no, we had to like, and then they just recite back to you, like whatever the government lines were about it, whatever the party lines were. And they're like, well, yeah, if we hadn't done that, we'd be cannibals by now. Right. I think that, um, you know, her family's in a rural area, so you have, um, mm-hmm. a lack of education. Right. Um, I think that the, given the director's age, they'd already, you know, kind of been under the system of government throughout her entire life. So, mm-hmm. and it's, Part of the way that government works is, you know, it's like any um, abusive relationship. You don't get access to the outside world. So you don't mm-hmm. understand that what's going on is is wrong or right. that there's a different uh, wrong. It's that it's propaganda. Um, so, you know, yeah. And at the same time, there are always dissidents and there are always people who, sure, um, yes, you course, know, get arrested. Right, and yeah. it's a country with one of the worst human uh, rights oh, um, yeah. scores. Again, something that we'll never even fully grasp because they're so it's so secretive. Right. Um, so yeah, it's fucking tough. It's fucking tough. And we should, we should, we should point out that, um, in her voiceover, Nan Fu Wang does mm-hmm. point out the connection to the U S and she's like, basically she's like, the irony is not lost on me that, uh, that I've in my life, I've gone from that. I was born in a country that forces abortions on women. And I now live in a country that does not permit women the choice uh, she's like, and of course the shared commonality there is, uh, is just a refusal to grant basic autonomy mm-hmm. to women to make choices about their own bodies and their own reproductive rights. Yep. Um, and then I've seen other, you know, pointing out that this is, this was a family separation in a way. 
Oh know. yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's definitely not the kind of thing that, yeah, it, it, it shouldn't go to a place of like Americans feeling all cozy watching it. Like, Ooh, boy, China sure is fucked up. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are other, you know, there are ways that our country is viewed even like before Trump that, um, have the same sort of uh, angle that what you're talking about, how your confusion about viewing China is that, you know, like, why is our country so religious? Why is it right. one nation? Under, like, what is that is ridiculous. Like, don't are people just you just grow up saying that and that's OK. Like, that's on your money. That's cool. There's no like absolute right. Um, I don't know. Immunity to to propaganda. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. And I, and I, you know, I was I would. I was tempted to draw a distinction between like, well, yeah, but people don't like most people don't really, that's not coming from the government. Oh, kind of is now, I guess. Uh, and also of course <laughs> the money is printed by the government. And I was like, well, but people don't really, oh, I guess you yeah, have rural areas. Sure. Yeah, they do. Mm, yep, uh-huh. I'm like, all right, well withdrawn. <laughs> <laughs> um, also socialism, you know, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> to me, this is a binge it. To me, this would have been the pick of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't see the other one, so I don't get a vote. Well, you only get to vote if you saw all three movies, which <laughs> is bullshit. <laughs> well, I just can't. No, I totally just, fair. I just can't force people to go and see this movie. It's you just have too. To. I think wasn't Force Sama also our pick of the week? Like I can't. Yeah, you have. I to. can't have like two consecutive episodes where it's like go see the horrifying documentary with real live footage of like mutilated babies dead to. in the street. Yeah. This is not. <laughs> if this is a movie that makes you question your own country's like effects of propaganda in a way that's like one step beyond the like, oh, he's an idiot and everything's terrible. Right. Like here is really the black and white another another angle of the black and white dangers of this. Mm-hmm. See it. Yeah. Get no. out there. It's it's a really Take incredible movie, and it is. Uh, and again, I th- I feel like you know I want to. It's not. It's not a bummer, um, in the sense that it's. It's been, they have edited it into such a similar with like Force Sama. We were saying that it was like, you have everything here that you would have from like a big, like wartime romance. Mm. Um, and yeah. this similarly um, feels like it's everything you could ha- want from like a giant espionage thriller. Yeah. Um, it's edited like that. The suspense builds like that. The shocks are like that. Um, and uh, except for it's all real. I uh, mean, I think also like if you're one of those people who's like looking up, um, What's going on in Hong Kong? Why mm-hmm. why are people in Hong Kong so? Uh, what, what are these riots about? What's going on with China? Um, right. Let's just 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 put this quickly in 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 your reference guide. Yeah. No. I mean, this is this is definitely one of the best documentaries I've seen in a while, and it's for sure a binge it from me. I'm just going with Britney runs a marathon because I think we all need a break every now and then. <laughs> one Child Nation is rated R for some disturbing content and images um, and brief language. That's it, Jason. That's it. Uh, We're going to take another little break, and then we'll see you with some more movies on the other side. Uh, Thank you so much for listening. Yes, we hope to be back with a new episode for uh, the September 13th release week, which is 2020 kind of the (laughs) which is going to be one of those first like, oh, suddenly it's fall uh, release weeks because that's when the Goldfinch comes out. And more importantly, that's when Hustlers comes out. I saw some trailers this week. Oh, yeah. Good. For for what? For Hustlers? Uh, No. For, for what? Um, I saw the trailer for, uh, what's the name of the movie? It's with Daniel uh, Kaluuya. Oh, yeah. I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, that one. Name. Yeah, that one. It's like someone and someone. Yeah. Oh, oh wait. The, 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 oh, Queen and Slim? Yep. Oh, yeah. The Lena Waithe movie. Yes. That looks amazing. I know. I'm really excited for that one. Um, 
and oh, and uh, parasites. Parasites. Woo. I'm seeing that, Tiff. Oh, you bitch. <laughs> so with that said, <laughs> thank you all for listening. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end. That's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.